Hello and welcome to Yubcast, your Star Wars cartoon podcast. My name is Matt, and a very wise Jedi once said, nothing happens by accident. And my name's Jamie, and your ambition drives you in one direction, my path lies in another. Uh, that's a good quote. That's from Ahsoka, right? Yeah. Yeah, I was trying to farm a bunch of Ahsoka stuff at the last minute. Um, but unfortunately, I only got this. Is that what this is about? Nice. Yeah. And, like, it was about the time that I was Space Hitler. Why you keep bringing that up, using that against me? That's not very. That's not very polite. <laughs> yeah, this is a. That was sort of a throwback. It was a line from a um, Clone Wars episode where there, where Soko's throwing it back in Anakin's face. Um, yeah. So. Right on. Sort of, sort of a funny give and take where Anakin says it to Ahsoka, and then Ahsoka says it back to Anakin at the snarkiest time possible. <laughs> so uh, you can pick which one I was quoting. I don't care which one it was. <laughs> cool. All right. So we're we're going to be going over episode 19 uh, of the uh, Clone Wars Jedi Crash. This is season one, episode 13. It, yeah, we're finally back to Clone Wars. Finally. Yeah. Yeah. Those assholes keep on releasing new Star Wars stuff, and, and we're forced to consume that and obsess about it. But now there's nothing coming out anymore, so luckily we can focus on what really matters. Cartoons that came out coming around 20 years ago. Yeah, this one came out. The original air date for this one was January 16th, 2009. And we're recording this in late October, almost Halloween, of 2023. So, 14 years later. (laughs) Good good on us. Mm -hmm. Right on on top of this shit. Um, Yeah, so I have a little bit of a cold today. That's why my voice sounds this way, and I'm going to try to talk very little. Um, But before we get too into the show... We did record last week. We've been a little, or we did record recently. We've been a little chaotic with our recording schedule, as we usually are. But I just want to check in with you if you did any Star Wars this week. Did I do any Star Wars? Uh, I did not, other than just, shoot, I don't even think we've talked Star Wars because we're just got various stuff going on. Um, usually that's not something that happens. Um, no, man, what a... Uh, yeah, no, I've I haven't I've been meaning to get back into the comics because I'm I'm so far behind, but I can't I don't know which end is up when it comes to the uh, the comics because they do so many crossovers and then they'll do like uh like I guess it was like Crimson Rain was kind of like the the uh, the kind of the the big story that was happening throughout all the 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 Darth Vader the Star Wars Doctor Aphra and it's like after a while I just got like threw my hands up in the air and say like, I don't know. Yeah, it's gotten slightly worse because they're doing another huge crossover called Dark Droids. And it's basically, there's like D-Squad, which we'll get to hopefully soon, which is like the droid squad with um, the little frog guy, Gaston or whatever his uh, name is. Oh, yeah, Colonel Gaston. Yeah, so there's D-Squad, and they get they have a comic series, like a version of D-Squad has a comic series. And then there's Dark Droids, which is sort of the anti-D-Squad. And the Dark Droid comic now is crossing over with Aphra and Vader and Star Wars and all of them. 
So there's another seri- series like that. So they're very good at weaving these impossible to follow threads together. Yeah. But I'm like you. I need I need to I need to take a week off of work and just read comics. Yeah, I I, I have a problem. I I found that I I can't binge them. It's like like anything you binge it so much that you just go through it and then you get sick of it. Um or you just you don't really can it do, you don't really you just get through one and then you go right to the next. You don't really think about it. I yeah, did that. You, you said that you have a really hard time retaining the comics when you plow through them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I did that with Afra, and it was just like I, I got to the point where I was like, kind of like, I really like Doctor Afra, but it's like ah, I just can't do it anymore. I'm just kind of sick of it. Not, which is something I didn't think I would ever say, but here we are. I mean, you can still, I think you can still read them at a pace where you're not binging them, but you're catching up as well. I don't know. I'm I'm going on a vacation in January, and I'll be out of country for a week. So maybe I'll take, like, the iPad and the Marvel app and just see if I can get caught up over the course of, like, two weeks. Yeah. Um, it seems like a lot of comics to read, though. Yeah, I got a bunch of them through Audible. No, sorry, not Audible, but uh, Kindle. And then I've also just gotten them through the the local library. But maybe I should just like do that, like the Marvel thing, so I can just just if because is it does can you read them right away when they come out, or do you have to wait? No, it it depends on which Marvel thing you get. Like if you pay like the premium thing, I think they come out at the same time. But if you pay like the super cheap version. I think you have to wait a month or something. Oh. Well, that's a bummer. Yeah. Okay, I'll see. I'll send you my login information, see if you can use it. I mean, I won't do that. <laughs> Marvel execs that listen to our podcast. You thought yeah. you caught me. Yeah, because I definitely won't be uh, changing your uh, login information. It's stealing my credit card number. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, you can just use that as an excuse when your uh, when your wife asks why you were why you're buying a lot of guns. That it wasn't me; it was Jamie. <laughs> I think Jamie stole my identity. <laughs> no, nobody wants to be me. So, um, so did you do any other Star Wars or? Uh, no, no, I've just been like watching some. Um, I, I like been binging some like. Um, some other shows um they're kind of like some of them are kind of like oh that's 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 it's all right to kind of like i like it to where like i'm like well now i'm just invested to even though and it's like i don't really like a lot of this stuff but it's just like i just want to see where it goes because it's still kind of interesting but uh, when they have got like when they've got like a cool concept for like a show, especially like sci- like sci-fi, because we're big sci-fi nerds, is that you got a cool concept, but then they gotta stretch it out, and then there's like, so you get all this drama with all these different characters. Like I don't care about that, and especially I don't care about teenage kids who are ha- just. This is a this is a trope that I hate, as I've gotten older, is teenagers who are somehow outsmarting adults. When Every, almost every teenager I know is a complete dipshit. Um, and I, I work with uh, like Boy Scouts and like just like other kids and I have a teenager. They're just like they 
they're not going to sneak into some military uh, installation to free their alien friend or whatever. They're they're going to get caught like before they even get get to the uh, get close to the base. What show are you talking about? Um, no, no, okay. Well, there's this this show on um, Apple TV called uh, Invasion, and I have not seen it. It's it's interesting. Um, it's just like just it just it just is pretty much just like the the first season is just like a, by by the but halfway through like it's revealed that yeah we're being invaded and then just everything that kind of goes on it's kind of a weird sort of invasion it's not like they're just sending troops down or whatever it's 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 a whole weird thing but there's like a one of the side or one of the b plots is that like some teenager has some sort of weird telepathy or connection oh sorry spoiler alert um it's actually in its second season or second season is already done but it's just like some weird teenager has some sort of weird thing going on and then they're um then like their friends rescue him at one point and like and it just like it's kind of like the et thing like somehow they're all able to like save save et um even though there's all these government agents with walkie-talkies not guns yeah, I call I call that I think you know I've talked about this maybe even on the show before, but I call that genre of movie kid empowerment. Mm-hmm. Where it's like it's like no, the only person that can solve it is the plucky eight year old who like has had the map in his backpack the entire time. Yeah, right. Yeah, and yeah. It's like kids are the solution. Kids are the resolution of the story. Kids are the the heroes. But I'm but I'm with you. I'm a grumpy old man now. And I'm sure I thought it was hot shit when I was 14. Actually, no, I was a very insecure child. But um, I know some, I know like 13 and 14 year olds now because of the age of my kid. And I'm like, I wouldn't trust you kids to mow the fucking lawn. Are you kidding me? Like, you guys wouldn't come in out of the rain. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I've known like, um, like some kids who are like not Eagle Scouts that like you'd think like, oh, Eagle Scouts, like they've got their shit together. They don't. They're just as big of dipshits as everybody else they're just a little bit more trustworthy uh and hardworking, or at least they have the they have the paperwork to back it up so yeah so i just i always have a problem with that we we recently watched the goonies because my kids had never seen it um and they've thoroughly enjoyed it and and i enjoyed it it still holds up there's a lot of like the 80s feel to it as far as like what they're wearing and the clothes and stuff but it still holds up, but yeah, just that, that somehow they're able to just kind of outwit uh, grown-ups who have much more uh, experience. It's just I don't know. That movie is almost about ch- more about child neglect than about kid empowerment, but <laughs> yeah, I, I, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, and watching it now as an adult because I hadn't seen it in years is that um, Mikey, Sean Astin's character, I don't think he actually had asthma. I think the mother was just like semi-Munchausen by proxy him, just thinking that he's sick and forcing him to stay inside and take med- uh, medicine and stuff. Um, yeah, that's definitely possible. <laughs> Munchausen is real. Factitious, factitious uh, medical abuse, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. That shit is scary. Um, all right. Do you want to keep talking about 80s movies? <laughs> yes. But since you have a sore throat and we let's, we need to get through uh, some stuff, 
why don't we move on? We'll we'll save it for a uh, for our other podcast, uh, '80s cast, where we talk about being kids of the '80s and uh, hang, hanging out, uh, playing video games in arcades all the time. Sure, I just want to. I, di- I didn't do much Star Wars either in the past week, but but we do have. Um, a couple of Star Wars costumes for Halloween this year, and even though this is going to be posted months after Halloween, just because of our schedule, um, my younger kid is going this year as Podracer Anakin, and so I found a damaged Don Post Anakin helmet um, from. It's like a very expensive thing if you buy it new now; they're pretty rare. But I found one that was broken. And bought it on eBay, and um, he loves it. And I think we can actually fix it. Um, two pieces are broken; both can be three D printed, and then we just need to replace like one of the lenses from the goggle set. Yeah, use yeah. acrylic. So I think it's fixable. Yeah, it's pretty funny. You say I, I didn't know you were getting this, and you sent me a picture of you wearing it. And what, what did I what did I tell you? I can't remember. What did you say? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it was something along the lines of like there must be uh, you're I'm guessing you're getting blown right now and there's a line around the street to be yeah. next. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty it's a pretty sexy photo. Yes, I think I put it on I think I put it on Twitter too. So really really putting that energy out in the world. Yes, yeah, save some for the rest of us. And then and then my wife got a um, Padme costume, the Padme security guard costume. Oh. I'm gonna say the not not the uh, black leather uh, Naboo Padme. Yeah, she said she was looking at a bunch of Padme costumes, and she's like, "I want one that doesn't look sexy." <laughs> and you're just like, "Oh." Yeah. Then I I'm like I'm like oh yeah that makes sense. Then I want to punch the wall. <laughs> <laughs> just snapped a pencil in my hand <laughs> underneath the table. Yeah. Um, You'd be like, no, she got she got the security guard. Here's Padme. the one where she's dead. How about that one? <laughs> no. <laughs> or she's giving uh, birth. Yeah. Yeah. Here's here's a yeah here's like one of those inflatable ones where like your legs are hidden. <laughs> it's like like here's a here's an inflatable Padme birthing table. Yeah, it's anatomically correct. <laughs> um. No, so she got the security guard one. She hasn't tried it on yet, but she said she was going to uh, today, but we ran out of time. So I'll ask her to do it tomorrow. Um, yeah, perfect. And then, Just to make sure it fits. Yeah. I don't know. I don't, I'm not going trick-or-treating with the kids. I usually stay home and hand out candy. Um, so I don't know. Maybe I'll have my Mandalorian hat out or, or helmet on or my Vader helmet or something. Yeah. Hand out candy in the yard. We we scored a a, uh, a used five dollar uh, inflatable T Rex. So my kids are um, well, well they're out trick or treating, and I hang back. I'll just be I'll just be an inflatable T Rex handing out candy. Those are pretty cool. Yeah, for five bucks, you can't beat it. It's probably way more expensive. Uh, new. My kids going as Weird Al. That's a good costume. Yeah. Um, he's got Hawaiian shirts. We got him a wig. 
he already wears glasses. Sure, kick your butt in a game of ping pong. Ace any trivia quiz you bring on. Fluent in JavaScript as well as Klingon. R.I.C. You see me roll on my segue. I know in my heart they think I'm wide and nerdy. And, we've, and we have like these small uh, accordions that you, you end up with these weird musical toys when you have kids. Yeah. Um, so, and one of them was an accordion, which is super loud and annoying. So I'm certain he's going to be super popular as he's walking around playing the harmonica. Uh, not, not, did I say a harmonica or accordion? You said accordion. Okay. As he's playing like the accordion really poorly. Are just making, just just making noises because he can do that because he's a he's a he's a teenager who doesn't uh, understand what cool is. Yeah. All right. You want to move on? Yeah. Okay, so um, now is the time where we, we talk a little bit about the episode before we actually get into the plot of the episode. Yeah, I got a couple of people I just want to talk about up front before you jump into the plot summary, if that's okay. Yeah, go for it. So there's we have a regular cast of characters for this episode, um, but we have three um, sort of guest stars, I guess. The first one is Jennifer Hale. We've talked a lot about Jennifer Hale, so I'm not going to mention – I just want to mention her real quick. We – covered her um appearance when we did a bad batch episode because she played senator chuchi in bad batch but she is star wars royalty and has been in a ton of stuff um including now she's um alaya secura the jedi in clone wars and so whenever she comes up she's being played by jennifer hale so i just want to get out and remind everybody of her look her up um she's great there are two um, actors today named George Coe and Alec Medlock, and they play Scottish lemurs. <laughs> and we're we're going to get into Scottish lemurs deep, deep into the paint with them. Um, George Coe plays the older of the lemurs named T. Watt Ka on the show, and George Coe is one of those that guys. He is in everything but you don't know his name. And when I say everything, I mean everything. He is the go-to older white balding man in every single series you've ever seen. His first oh, no, acting I'm curious. Career, yeah, you want me to send a link to him or are you going to go to IMDb? I, IMDb right now. So he started working in 1965 as an actor, and he just played bit parts. He was in Stepford Wives, Kramer vs. Kramer, um, Kent State, The Amateur, um, Hill Street Blues, House of God. He was in everything that you can think of. Moonlighting, Family Ties, Simon and Simon, Dallas, Saturday Night Live, Blind Date, Magnum P.I., Golden Girls. I mean it. Like, he has been in everything. But if you just look at his, he was in an episode of uh, Star Trek The Next Generation as Chancellor Durkin. He was, an, he was a re- reoccurring character on L.A. Law. If you are if you don't recognize these, these shows, it's because you're young. But he's been in Law & Order um, a bunch of times. He was on Home Improvement as, as somebody's grandfather. 
So sort of putting him in his age category. He was in Nanny, or in the Nanny. Um, he was in the Lone Gunman, um, which was a X-Files spinoff that <laughs> didn't last very long. Um, he was in Cold Case Bones, King of Queens, Curb Your Enthusiasm, Nip Tuck, Supernatural, Grey's Anatomy. He is in freaking everything. And yeah. If you don't recognize him, you don't know what you're talking about because he's been in everything. Yeah, and he does um, he, he does a lot of VO work too. Yeah, his VO his VO credits are are growing, and he he plays he's been, even done Star Wars video game voiceover work for the Old Republic. Um, so he's done a few voices in that. Um, and he was a character on Archer, uh, the the Butler Woodhouse. <laughs> Uh. And so, if you don't if you don't know his face, you've probably seen Woodhouse, who is Archer's elderly butler, who sort of raised him, who's also a heroin addict. And, yeah, he and Archer makes him eat spider webs. <laughs> and Archer makes him eat spider webs. All right, I gotta find some Woodhouse quotes and drop in here. <laughs> <laughs> Two things we don't allow in here, what are they? Dogs and your mother. That's a very short list, isn't it? Uh, yes, but what? you were quite what? Uh, what was I? insistent that an exception be made. So so that is that is the leader of the Scottish lemurs today, um, George Coe. And George Coe did pass away in 2015. So that is why he um, doesn't do any work anymore. But he, he, he worked right up to the end. Um, so thanks for everything, George Coe. Sorry if I, if I was not implying that he was if I was implying that he was still alive. I meant to say that up front. Um, the other actor uh, plays um, Wag Two, which is uh, Tiwat Ka's son in the show, and he is a much much younger actor. Um, he was born in uh, 1990, and his name did I say it was Alec Medlock. Um, he, he's been acting since about the age of 10, very much a child actor doing bit parts though. His things are usually accredited as the 12 year old or the child or so-and-so's child, but he was in seventh heaven. He was in Malcolm in the middle, um, the United States of Leland. Um, then he was in some Disney shows, uh, on the Disney channel. He, he did this voice, um, for Clone Wars, just in the two episodes, that's all of his Star Wars credits. Then he was in How I Met Your Mother, iCarly, um, One of the Land Before Times as a voiceover. And then he did background voices for Monsters University and Despicable Me. So he's still, well, he's still around, but he's uh, potentially still working. I don't, He hasn't done anything in a while, but he was in Finding Nemo and a couple other things as well. Um, but he's sort of the new actor, and we're only going to get him in this episode and the next one, so I wanted to highlight him. Um, so thanks for all the cool voiceover work you did and your uh, reoccurring parts on like Grey's Anatomy and things, too. Um, but that's it for the cast today, if you want to get into the uh, plot summary. Yeah, let's do it. Unless you have any questions about Alec or George. No, I don't. Okay, so the... Um... The tag or the kind of the fortune cookie, um, uh, what we call it for the uh, at the beginning of the episode is greed, uh, greed and fear of loss is uh, the root that leads is 
is the roots that lead to the tree of evil. I do. I'm not going to. I do have a sore throat, so I'm going to talk as little as possible. But I thought this was one of the more tortured constructions for a sentence. Yeah. For a fortune cookie. And you having trouble just reading the damn thing sort of underscores when I was. I wrote it down. I'm like, that's not right. So I rewound yeah. it and I was like, oh shit, it is right. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, oh. Matt. I must have misread it. <laughs> yeah. Or like, oh, Matt, Matt forgot to put something in here. It's like, ugh. Being smart monkeys that we are, we can kind of figure out what they're trying to mean. That it just means, just means that greed and fear of loss um, um, can be the things that lead to uh, evil. Yeah, and we'll talk about whether or not that applies later in the episode. But I did tease you ahead of time that there was an alternative uh, fortune cookie that I found. So for this particular episode, so we'll talk about which one we like better too. Okay. All right, so let's get into it. Okay, so war rages around the Outer Rim Territories. The Droid Army has, uh, I said, it's Alea, Ayla. Ayla, I think it's Ayla Secura is the Jedi. Okay, I always have messed that up. Okay. It's fine. I I, I say it incorrectly in my head all the time, but she's the blue-skinned Twi'lek in Twi'lek in the tube top. Yeah. (laughs) Um, okay, so the Jord army has um, Ayla Sakura pinned down. Anakin Skywalker's fleet drops out of a hyperspace and enters the atmosphere above the planet Quell. Lots of cruisers are in the atmosphere and fighting droid frigates. A tactical droid announces that they are winning and orders the deployment of the super battle droids. Droids land on the ship and start attacking Sakura's ship. This is actually kind of cool. I I, um, I thought this was a cool thing where they, they just kind of like jumped on... Under the ship. I have, um, a, I have a sound for this. Can I play it? Yeah. They fly now! They fly now! Ugh, I, I hate that quote. Because... They fly now. <laughs> okay. Small digression. Yeah, do it. How would Finn not know that, that, that they have jetpack training? Like, everybody, everybody in the military, in the Army, or if you're in the Navy, you're in the Marines, you're in the Air Force... You know the different – just through being in it, you learn about the different – some of the things that are going on. I mean not the super secret stuff like Special Forces, Delta Force sort of – or Navy SEAL sort of stuff. That sort of stuff you don't – you can hear parts, but you, you most part they keep that stuff secret. But you know if like – you're in the Air Force. You know that the A-10 Warthog is a thing. You're not going to yeah. all of a sudden see it and be like, holy cow. Or like tanks are a thing in the army. It's like, what are these big cars on treads? Yeah, this doesn't feel like very special kit. And we see in Clone Wars clones with jetpacks. So it's it's not like this is like someone being. It's like it's like how are they walking on stilts? <laughs> it's like like well stilts are a thing, right? Like you live in a universe where stilts are a thing. Yeah. Right, it's like like you live in a universe where we're personalized jetpacks, where the fucking Mandalorians are flying around everywhere on jetpacks. Yeah, and how it's did like, they... like you you can't teach a fucking stormtrooper how to use a jetpack? And 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 even then, it says how did like he just not hear through random like just soldiers just talking like like oh yeah I got I got okayed to go to uh, like jetpack training. 
do you think the reason why he froze on the planet of Jakku because he'd never seen a flamethrower before? And he's like, they have flamethrowers now? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, maybe they did keep him away from stuff just because he's just like, he truly is a janitor and he's just bad. But it's just like, that's just poor. To me, that's just like, oh, they have rifles in the army now. That's weird. Like, yeah, it, it would have it would have made more sense if they would have said like, "Oh shit, they've got jetpacks, right?" Yeah, because they can still have the "oh shit" moment, right? But the I agree, the they fly now. It's just funny, right? I just I think that stuff is funny, but you're right. It's it's a little strange that he doesn't know what kit. Yeah, these these guys have when he was one of them a few years ago. Yeah, it's like somebody in the navy seeing a sc- scuba gear and having his mind blown. It's like, oh, oh, they can swim underwater. That's a good. That's probably the best analogy we've come up with so far. <laughs> they can swim now. Yeah, I could keep going, but I won't, and we'll uh, we'll move back into Clone Wars. We'll try not to digress too much, but how it goes, I'm sorry. You're not. If you're listening to us by now, you knew what you signed up for when you downloaded this episode. Yeah, this is on your. This is on. Yeah, your. yeah, it's really your fault, listener. <laughs> okay, so uh, so um, so more super battle droids are on the hull of the ship. The droids notice Anakin's ship and turn to fight the troop transports, and start heading for Anakin's cruiser. Anakin jumps down to um, Ala Sakura's uh, cruiser. I am going to keep on messing up her name. Ala Sakura's cruiser while the super battle droids are boarding the ship. The troop transports crash into the cruiser as well. Ahsoka and the clone reinforcements are on board. The tactical droid orders the destruction of the ship. A battle droid protests that there are thousands of droids aboard. The tactical droid says he doesn't care. Can I ask you about this battle before we get any further? Sure. So this battle is taking place in atmosphere. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. and I wanted I wanted to ask your thoughts about the setting of this space battle. Oh, I always I always like um, when they do something like kind of out of the ordinary like that, like where it's just because like everything's either in space or it's on the ground. Having something that's happening in atmosphere, um, that's that's always that to me that's kind of cool because that adds an element of danger. Right, um, like you can fall. Yeah. Yeah, so this was this was actually a relatively controversial decision because um, they'd never had this kind of battle take place with like cruisers or star destroyers in atmosphere before, and they wanted to see what it looked like. But the original script for this episode had this battle taking place in orbit, and they decided that they wanted to see what it looked like in clouds, basically. And they they did a quick mock up, and when they saw what it looked like in clouds, they're like, "Oh, we have to get away with this," and they went and got permission from George to do this. And so this is their first attempt at having large cruisers portrayed in atmosphere. Definitely the first attempt at combat in upper atmosphere. I think it works great, personally. And I know this is way out of order from our own timeline, but we talked about in our Ahsoka review how often we see Star Destroyers in atmosphere in the Disney era and how much I enjoy that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is this is a pre-Disney era Star Destroyer slash cruiser in atmosphere. It's really it's really effective. And I think I think the explosions and the fires make it like a little bit more believable since it's atmosphere. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. Cool. 
All right. So um, let's see. Sakura asks Anakin if he has a plan. Anakin says there's a ship docking in the lower port as they speak. The Jedi fight their way to the shuttle. A huge explosion fills the hallway. Anakin pushes Ahsoka and his unit uh, with the Force behind a blast door, and he attempts to control the explosion with the Force. Everyone is safe, but Anakin is unconscious. Uh, Ahsoka drags him aboard the shuttle. Um, Sakura asks the um, asks to board the Resolute. Is that the name of the ship? That's the name of Anakin's ship because her yeah. ship is get, being scuttled um, yeah. by the attack, and so they have to get up to the Resolute, which is okay. the ship that Anakin showed up in. Okay, so Anakin, uh, sorry, Sakura asked to board the Resolute and is cleared. The shuttle is damaged while they are boarding, and the hyperdrive is activated. The Resolute has to disengage before the shuttle, jumping into hyperspace, destroys the cruiser. The clamps are released, and the shuttle jumps into hyperspace. One thing I had a thought at this point. Um, People people hated well so certain kinds of people hated the Holdo maneuver in the Last Jedi, where she turns the cruiser back toward Snoke's super super ship, mm-hmm. um, and then jumps into hyperspace, destroying the fleet effectively. And everyone's like, like that's not what happened in Star Wars. Um, Yularen is panicking because that's about to happen to his ship in this moment. He says, if they jump into hyperspace while they're still docked with us, it's going to rip us apart. And there's like a panic to release the docking clamps before this malfunctioning ship randomly jumps into hyperspace. And so this is not, I don't want to re-adjudicate The Last Jedi. I had no problem with that scene in The Last Jedi. And when I saw this, when I was watching it this week and today, for the notes, I was like, this is the Holdo thing. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I agree. And for me personally, it's just one of those things where you can easily headcanon it, uh, explain it away, why why they don't do it all the time. That That is just like she got – you can't – it's not an effective way to uh, destroy ships or like win a battle. And, and it could be something that's so chaotic that you could cause more harm than good. Right. It's not. It's not an effective tactic. It was. It was her last ditch attempt at something. Yeah. Because like in the books of the, the first book of the, um, the High Republic, I think is Light of the Jedi. Where the, they had the hyperspace disaster where like, sh- yep. like ships collide, and sends debris everywhere. For all we know, there are pieces from the Last Jedi. There are pieces of uh, the Radis plummeting through hyperspace, even by through the events of um, Episode Nine, where it's just like it could cause like immense chaos, just having like just like um, huge, huge, huge pieces of ships just like flying through hyperspace un. Um, Unaccounted for. Uh, unaccounted for, like, unnavigable. They'll just, like, end up someplace, and then just, they'll just, wherever they end up will just get obliterated. Yeah, that's a good tie-in. I hadn't thought of that, about the Light of the Jedi thing. But, yeah, maybe the Radis, maybe parts of the Radis do come out and pepper a planet someday. Yeah. So, aboard the shuttle, Rex tells uh, Sakura that the navicomputer is fried, but the ship is headed right into a star. Sakura orders the auxiliary power shut off before they hit the star. 
Ahsoka is worried about Anakin's life support. They drop off a hyperspace but are still headed to collide with the star. They manage to reestablish main power and avoid hitting the star, but not before taking a lot of damage. The shuttle's now going down on a, pl- on a planet. They hit the ground hard. Pieces of the ship are ripped off, and they immediately evacuate the ship once they are on the ground. So I watched a couple of interviews with the animators of this episode, and they said that um, that they had crashed. Anakin had crashed the Twilight on Tatooine in um, the Clone Wars movie, which we've reviewed, so everyone should go listen to that episode. Um, but they said they didn't like the way it looked because it sort of just bounced on the sand dunes and they made it like look like a cloud of dust was up around it. They didn't show the Twilight taking damage during the crash, not obvious damage. And so they leaned in to this crash when they knew that they were going to get a crash on a planet. And they, they wanted to show like pieces being ripped off and it bouncing against the ground. And I I had thought that it was a great crash before I saw the interview, but after the interview, I went and watched it. And, like, a whole engine gets pulled off when it hits the ground, and it, the engine's, like, rolling away from the ship independently of the ship. Right? It's got its own moment of inertia and everything. It's a really well-done crash. Yeah, it's gorgeous. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I like a good... Um, I guess everybody likes a good crash where... Um, where um, a little bit more realistic, where it's not just like, oh, we crashed the ship, but uh, we just have to uh, rewire some stuff and we're good to go. Something that just shows the complete chaos and destruction that would happen when something's going like, I don't know how fast they'd be going. Let's just say like the speed of sound. Yeah, hundreds of miles an hour to zero in a few seconds, right? Yeah. The, the forces are, are huge. And the fact that the ship, they crash the ship in such a way where the ship is completely unsalvageable, the point where they're like running out of the ship as it's burning down around them and exploding. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love it. It gives you a very sense, a very real sense of they're absolutely trapped here, right? They're not going to tinker with the ship for an hour and get it up in the air again. They're stranded. Yeah. No, if uh, if it had been my dad and seen that ship, it's like, oh, we could fix it. It'll buff right out. Most of this yeah. is paint. Most <laughs> yeah. of this is just paint damage. This will buff right out. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. So Anakin is safe off of the shuttle, but he's still unconscious. Uh, Sakura says he would have been proud of uh, her when talking to uh, talking about Ahsoka. The planet is a prairie-looking savanna. Um, low yellow grasses everywhere. Tracks in the fields. Ahsoka says Sakura needs to go south while she stays with Anakin. Sakura says no, they will go together and leave Anakin behind. One of the clones finds some etchings. A beast roars in the distance. The clones ask what they're looking for. Sakura says that they will find the people who live on the planet. Ahsoka suggests they probably live near big trees they can see in the distance. So a few clones stay behind with Anakin while the rest of the group run off. I think primarily Rex stays behind with Anakin. I know I, I know they're not say a few, but when I watched it again today, I think it was just Rex that stays behind. Well, he's a uh, he's man enough to count for a few clones. Yeah, he's a he's a rough and tumble one. Mm-hmm. So he gets at least two. Yeah. Ahsoka is struggling with uh, the idea of leaving Anakin behind. Sakura says that she was attached to her master as well. She says Ahsoka cannot save one life at the expense of a thousand others. Million trivia points if you can tell me who Sakura's master was. 
I'm just going to throw out who who is the head of the council before Yoda? Who is the grandmaster before Yoda? Um, I don't know that. The the guy who helps Ahsoka get her lightsabers back from. I'm not getting this million points. Okay, so I'm just throwing out like somebody who I think is a who is things like a revered old Jedi. Yeah, it's not it's not an old Jedi. So, can we just tell you? Sure. It's Quinlan. Really? Yeah. Oh, Quinlan, is he gonna show up sometime soon? I really hope so. They made they made made it sound like he's still alive. He's definitely still alive during Kenobi, so yeah, he can he can still show up. Yes. Yes. Let's uh, start a YouTube channel and say that he is actually Luthen. With, I'm on board. But with a bunch of plastic surgery. I'm on board. <laughs> so cool little piece of uh, Star Wars trivia. Skrug hands off that little nugget of wisdom to Ahsoka. And then uh, back at camp, Rex thinks he hears something, but he can't see anything. Anakin is uh, still out. Pan flute transition back to Sakura. Uh, Ahsoka and the clones are approaching a huge tree. Gigantic seed pods start falling on the clones. They all dodge out of the way. Sakura points out that the pods have been drug away, so someone must be using them for something, and they're going to follow the trail. Now, I thought these were pretty cool. Um, uh, just humongous seed pods. They made me think of... I, I can't think of what, but like like seeds that I'd seen in like another... like. Um, not like Star Trek, but some other some, like something that I, I had seen made me think of them. Maybe, maybe. These, these giant trees sort of reminded me of like Avatar. Yeah, but I don't think Avatar had the big seeds. I mean, I, I guess it'd be not the same since it came out way after. But there were like there's like these huge like nasty looking seeds in uh, the show um, Raised by Wolves, um, or like Cocoon. Yeah. So uh, back at camp, Anakin starts to wake up. Um, but, uh, something is growling outside. He tries to get up. Rex asks if he's all right when Rex is grabbed by a vulture-like creature. He chews at it while it runs away. Now, these are called uh, Mastiff uh, uh, Falones. Yeah, I, I guess. Uh, Mastiff Falone. They're like a four-legged turkey like muscular turkey bird that sort of looks like a dog. It's it, it sounds like an artist who would be on Saturday Night Live, and I'd be like, I'm so out of touch. I don't know who this is. Ladies and gentlemen, Master Falones. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Clay Aiken. So uh, then uh, there's another pan flute, her Zanfir transition uh, back to Sakura and Ahsoka, and they are also attacked by. Um, by the musical guest from SNL. Uh, some of the clones are killed in the attack. Cameron, Lucky, and Flash are all dead. Sakura says they have to keep moving. Rex is on high alert. Hold on one sec. Do you think that there was like, like other cl- like clones would have had like there'd be like doubled names? And would they yeah, get? Yeah, I mean, there's more than one Matt out there, right? Uh, y- no, you're the only one. I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> But like, because these are the names they choose for themselves, and like, say, like, like, your name's like um, Lucky, and then a new guy gets transferred in. It's like, hey guys, I'm Lucky. You'd be like, fuck, you are. Get a new name, rookie. 
Yeah, I think they they must have multiple names, but I like putting clone names in here because I want to play a game one day where I ask you if a clone name is real or not. But um, now that I've tipped my hand, you can go back and study, but I know you won't. <laughs> so <laughs> I, like to, I like to put the clone names in because I think it's fun. Yeah, but no, yeah, no, it there, is. There, there's plenty of Luckies, I'm sure, right? Because every Lucky is such a dumb name. And it could apply to anything. It could yeah. apply to like the one guy that got out, or the last guy that got out, or the guy that they thought was gone but but made it to the yeah. evac. And, or it could just be the guy that like he keeps on, yeah, a guy who keeps on getting shot or things happen to him. Yeah, it's like, always get shot in the one section of the armor that actually protects them. Yeah, <laughs> I just like the idea. Is like, like you, you, I'm lucky. Sorry, we already have a lucky. Your name's shithead. <laughs> that's that's sort of the other thing though it's like you normally you don't get to pick your nickname right and so it's not yeah. like it's not like like i'm dozer it's like no you're not you're booger <laughs> shut up booger <laughs> oh yeah it's uh yeah because like even with the military it's like it's not like the, the call signs are meant to as a uh, not to like not to um because everybody everybody would be calling themselves reaper or like hitman or, or something cool they, you get you get you get a nickname based on something stupid you did. The clones they get to choose their own names because it's more of like a an act of free will and of like kind of like their own agency. It's an expression of their individuality. Yeah, but everywhere else in life, you you tell your friends to call, call you psycho, and then they just tell you to chill out, Francis. All right, all right. You want to keep going, Fruit Loops? I'm calling you Fruit Loops now, but I'm kidding. Uh, okay, of, okay. I can um, think of much more cruel nicknames for each other. I think. Yeah, let's let's not go down that road. <laughs> yeah, known to known, known each other for too long. This can get get uneditable fast. But okay, okay, whatever. Um, guy who pukes in pitcher of beer, or no, that's not too catchy. With a washing machine. <laughs> okay, I'll have to think about it because I'm not I'm not clever enough to like I need something like puke spray or something because when I remember when you were trying to hold hold it in and it just sprayed out the sides. Man, I, I had forgotten you were there for that. <laughs> I, I was the one who was like, "Let's just drink this whole pitcher of beer." That's right. You were the you were you were the problem. <laughs> I wasn't even in grad school. The rest of you were in grad school, and I, I was just tagging along because, like, cause, like, I'm. Oh shit! I remember now. Yeah, you were there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was like a bunch of like math people, like math grad students, had a party, and like I remember like trying to with being with you guys, and you guys were like bio grad students, um, and just trying to find the party. And I'm the like the one undergrad, but I'm older, so. I'm the same age as everybody, but I'm not as cool because I was still working towards my degree. Anyways, puke spray. Let's get going. So, God, that was such a fun night. <laughs> Except for the puking. Okay, so the next morning, Ahsoka, Sakura, and the remaining clone named Bly, that's an interesting name, arrive at the village. The huts are made out of the seed pods that they saw the night before. The village is populated by a small lemur-like creature called Lerman. That's um, 
Yeah, a little, uh, little anagram for lemur. Uh, the elder asks what they want. Sakura says their ship has crashed. So Tiwat Ka is the leader of the village, and he says that the violence begets violence, and the Jedi are not peacekeepers. Tiwat Ka refuses to help them. Ahsoka begs for medical supplies for, for Anakin. Tiwat Ka says his his son, um, son Wagtu, I heard that as well. Uh, um, okay, Wag 2 uh, will go help Anakin, um, but they will keep uh, one of the Jedi. Ahsoka, Wag 2, and Bly head, head back to Anakin, leaving Sakura at the village. Yeah, yeah. so just, just a pause here at the village, because we, we meet these lemur people. We're going to talk a little bit about them in the, in the production design section. But T. Wat Ka, the old lemur comes out swinging like he's like he's like we don't want any part of your battle we settled this planet to get away from you you're not peacekeepers you're war makers and and ever like the jedi of course take exception with this characterization but he is unmovable and he's just like nope nope you're just gonna bring the war to me so you can fuck right off but they didn't want they didn't want these lemurs to seem unreasonable and so they wanted the, they wanted the situation where they could offer medical care um, to be very clear that they were willing to do that, but nothing else, mm-hmm. which I think works. Yeah. Yeah. Do you really do you really want lemur medicine though? Like I had that thought because the guy because <laughs> the guy's like, no, I can absolutely fix your explosion damage by wrapping leaves around you. Yeah. It's like <laughs> like I don't know, dude. And um, how about some ibuprofen? Yeah, and then uh, I'm going to pack some of my doo-doo in the uh, wound. That will help uh, heal it faster. Well, okay. I'm not a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a lemur doctor. I didn't go to lemur medical school or lemur yeah. Harvard. I, I, I had to go to a lemur medical school in lemur, Mexico. Yeah, I went. I went to a lemur medical school in American Samoa. So <laughs> everyone, everyone, come back off. I'm really good at tropical diseases, and I think everything's some weird parasite. <laughs> that's my. That was my residency training. Yes. Some of us went to state schools. Yes. <laughs> to lemur State University. Go lemurs. An un- unimaginative uh, mascot, but they're but they're still pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> Not all of us got to go to the uh like uh Ringtail University or I was trying to go for a brown joke there, but that fell flat. And let's get back to the episode. There's no way I'll get into an Ivy League school now. At this rate I probably won't even get into Vassar. I've had just about enough of your Vassar bashing young lady. And and oh in in your hut loving ways, you spelled hut H U T T. Oh, I do see that. I've been having a lot of trouble typing lately. I don't know if like a neurological disorder that's making me forget how to type. But I type a lot. I'm making a lot of typos lately. Well, I think maybe you just type hut so much that it's just like, oh, don't you mean hut with two T's? Yeah, this is an autocorrect problem. <laughs> so, uh, in a hut, not like inside like a hut, but like. Uh, a dwelling. 
So in a hut, uh, T. Wat Ka gives Sakura some tea. Sakura feeds him some Jedi propaganda about who started the war. T. Wat Ka says he doesn't care who started it or who will end it. He says pursuing nonviolent means is the only thing that matters to him. This also seems like weirdly, like this is October. This is also weirdly applicable to like the shitty state of the world right now. Mm-hmm. Everyone is trying to convince the world that their side didn't start this war and propaganda is flying. Yeah. And and I just saw this this conversation and Tiwaka just being like, I don't give a shit. Yeah. Stop killing each other. And I'm like, wow, I really feel this lemur. Yeah. Like this lemur's got something going on. <laughs> yeah, I, mm, there's a joke there, but I am not going to make it. Um thanks. thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That would get us canceled. Uh in a big way. Um. So yeah, and uh, I kind of want to say I was gonna say a TWK, but then I was like, for but then I was like, oh, that kind of sounds like BTK, and I was like, that, that's no good. Though I'm sure there is a BTK uh, uh, Lerman out there. So um, yeah, so he's just like he's not having any of it. He's just like shut up and stop killing each other. I, I wonder if it's supposed to be like a um, a joke on uh, Dave Filoni's name. Because it could be announced uh, Falones or Falones. Falones. Oh. Yeah, just call them Falones, I guess. Or Falones. Falones, yeah. Falones works for us. Okay, so back at the camp, uh, Falones are, are stalking Anakin and Rex. Anakin pulls himself up, and the two face off against the beasts. And they'll not survive, but... what? Damn it, I almost said Wu-Tang. But Wet 2 and Ahsoka show up. Wag 2 ropes one of them and prevents Ahsoka from killing it. Wag 2 disables the attackers. Wag 2 is for the kids. Yes. Wu-Tang is for the kids. Yeah. (laughs) So Ahsoka uh, introduces Anakin uh, and Wag 2. They bring Anakin back to the village on a stretcher later that day. Uh, Tiwaka sees how bad Anakin is. Wag 2 says she'll take some time before he is better. Sakura and Ahsoka meditate. Ahsoka says Sakura was right. If she had stayed with Anakin, they might not have found the village in time to save Anakin. Sakura says the hard part is going to be finding a way off the planet. Ahsoka says that the fleet is probably searching for them. They will be found eventually. Freeze frame. That's the end of the episode. Yeah, so this is this is part of a two part two parter. So we'll get to the next one soon. Um, the resolution of this arc is the resolution of this arc has got some pretty cool um, stuff in it. Um, but we basically leave them on this hillside, looking out over this village, where Soka's like, "That was cool," and um, Sakura's like, "Are you high? We're trapped here." <laughs> um, but it was sort of cool couple of things that happened in this episode that give our main cast some growth is Anakin is basically incapacitated pretty much the whole episode which means Ahsoka is taking guidance from another Jedi Master Um, and she is definitely different than Anakin and is helping Ahsoka sort of grow in this thing so I, I really like that dynamic of um, Ayla, Sakura, and Ahsoka interacting together in the absence of Anakin. Yeah. Because Anakin, in the Clone Wars, is arrogant and not the best teacher. He's definitely like, follow me into battle, and then we'll figure out the rest later. 
Um, Sakura is being a little bit more thoughtful and strategic. Yeah. And is keeping and not letting Ahsoka fly off at the handle. Yeah, this is very much... Um... Um, so it's cool to see like he's got a concussion he probably gets CTE and this is the thing that ends up causing him to fall to the dark side um, oh I like that I like that theory a lot yeah. um, but I think the thing I, I enjoyed the most is that the these um, that these uh, Lerman are just like stop, it doesn't matter stop killing it at, the, at this point does it really matter you know yeah, it's 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 a refreshing. We don't get a lot of effective pacifism in this show, right? You get like people, you get like lip service for it, but these people specifically moved to the, to this planet to get away from the war, and I like I like that. Like we will have a clone deserter later who is doing something similar, and then we had um, Cut Laquane, right? He but. He was like an individual. This is a society of them that sort of moved away, and I, I like that idea a lot. Mm-hmm. Looking up the name of the planet, cause I didn't put it in the in the notes. It's it's Mary Dune, Mary Dune, M A R I D U N. Hmm. Yeah, but yeah, I like I, I like the idea though. The the the, the 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 pacifism of it is just like it's just we like like you're not you're. You're not any better just because you're Jedi doesn't mean you're any better than anybody else. You're still you're still fighting. And you're still killing. You still picked up a gun and shot back. It, and it it can be complicated, right? It can be difficult to make that decision, and it might be the right decision in the long long run. But you can't you can't have it both ways, right? You can't say like I'm the protector of the peace. Follow me into battle. Mm-hmm. Like no, you're a warrior, right? And and you're sacrificing, you're sacri- temporarily sacrificing the peacekeeping part of you to do this other thing, which may be important, which may be necessary. But also understand that war ends when it's rolled through villages like and destroyed homes and people's lives. That is the logic of war, right? And not to quote Khrushchev, but that's what Khrushchev said to JFK during the Cuban Missile Crisis. He's like, like if we if we go to war, it won't stop until everybody's dead. And you have to be you have to be cognizant of that's your responsibility when you do something like this. You are signing up for people to die, and you're no longer quote unquote keeping the peace. Mm-hmm. So I'm not a pacifist, not not exclusively. I'm I'm just saying that there's a couple moments in this thing where. The, where I could see where T. Watt was coming from, where he's just like, like you're not, you're not keepers of the peace, and if you don't want to be, if you don't want to be part of the war, having one side of the war there is not helping you. There's a resolution to this arc that is probably pretty satisfying, but we will get there um, with our next recording. Do you want to talk about the fortune cookie real quick? Yeah. So the original fortune cookie is greed and fear of loss is the roots that lead to the tree of evil. And we can talk about whether or not that's applicable. So, what do you think? Is that I, applicable? I mean, it's a stretch, but yeah, I guess because like Ahsoka not wanting to leave Anakin, but it's a bit of a stretch. I mean, it's a good quote because it's it's very much it's very true. Um, it's kind of 
the road, the, the saying, the, the road to hell is paved in good intentions. Um, it feels very similar to that sentiment. Yeah. But I don't think it really fits. But yeah, a lot of them don't really fit. They're just, they're just seem to be like just random sayings. And then you can, then you just kind of have to do some mental gymnastics to kind of make them fit. So this one does reference trees and roots and, the tree does play a plot point in this episode, so I, I was curious if they rewrote it to be more more in line with the imagery of the episode. But the original fortune cookie—I don't know if you're in the notes or not—but it's it was for one to not become attached is the greatest gift. Do you think that is more or less applicable than the other that's one? That's more. Uh, that's more applicable. I agree. I think it's. I think it's a better quote overall for the episode. Or uh, the other one, no true Lerman would go to war. There you go. Because um, did we mention the fact that they uh, talk with uh, Scottish accents? I don't. I think we said. I think we said up at the top that the actors were playing Scottish lemurs. But yeah, the way that the Lerman are differentiated culturally from everybody else is they speak with Scottish accents. <laughs> and so you're making a no no true Scotsman joke. <sighs> yes. <laughs> nice. Yeah. If it's not Lerman, it's crap. Oh, nice. That's a deep pull uh, from SNL from for those of you who are alive in the '90s, and at least in your teens, or at least twelve. Was it? It was so I married an axe murderer, where Mike Myers plays the old Scottish guy with the Scottish Wall of Fame, right, and singing the Bay City Rollers. S A T U R D A Y night song, right? I I never saw that movie. Oh well, I just described the funniest part to you. Well, it's a well-known fact, Sonny Jim, that there's a secret society of the five wealthiest people in the world, known as the Pentaverite, mm. who run everything in the world, including the newspapers. Um, it's a good movie, though. I'm sure. All right, do you want to go through some production notes I have in the? Yeah, document. yeah, let's do it. So when Anakin gets hurt, so one thing, when the Anakin was trying to stop the explosion, I thought a lot about Grogu um, shaping the explosion around Den and um, Bo oh. at the in the Mandalorian. But Also, Kanan. Yeah, Kanan is another good call. Kanan bit it. Um, Grogu just sort of reshaped the explosion. Anakin was in a hallway, so he didn't have a hangar to redirect the blast to. But he did save his team, but he took a huge hit and was unconscious. They put a, an oxygen breather on him, and they used the sound effect of Darth Vader when he was using the breather. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I love that idea. I love it when they did that. There's some arabesque um, on screen um, when they were looking at the Nava computer about ready to hit the sun or the star. The arabesque read IMPACT in all capital letters. And when the they were in the med bay, the there was a holographic two one B droid in there servicing, like taking care of Anakin, and it said "Stand by for prognosis." A typo in the notes. It says "Stand by for prognosis." And the real thing, the real thing that you could go in a really deep dive on, um, and where I sort of went was on the Lerman themselves. Do you know anything about the origin of the Lerman? No. So the Lerman were concept art that were going to be used in Revenge of the Sith. 
um, and they were never used um, because their scene got cut out. But the planet, like this, just shows like how Star Wars creative process goes. So they have this unassigned um, lemur-like humanoid alien, and they were going to be pacifists in um, Revenge of the Sith as well. But they got cut out, and they only exist as Macquarie drawings. But the planet of Mary Dune was originally designed by Ralph Macquarie for Return of the Jedi. They were going to go to a planet called Mary Dune, Mary Dune in Return of the Jedi. Um, no, they're going to, go, going to go to a grassland planet in Return of the Jedi called Sissamon. Um, but it also got scrapped from later drafts of Return of the Jedi. Um, and in 1995, there was a coffee table book released called, I think it was called The Worlds of Star Wars, and it was just a concept art book from Ralph McQuarrie. And the images of Sissamon um, were in this book the first time that they were released, and they were labeled as Alderaan. And the pods that the Lerman were using in this episode for huts were seen in the concept art, and they were described in the book as abandoned termite mounds from an extinct species of insect called a killick. This information wow. shows up nowhere else in any Star Wars thing at all um, that I could find. So the original concept for this story was that they were going to use the planet Sissamon, the graphics from the planet Sissamon, to develop this story. But they wanted to base the story on a Legends comic book where the Amonamon were fighting the Empire. Do you know what, what the species Amonamon is? No, I don't. He's a like a, a yellow and green super long-armed alien in Jabba's palace. Um, and I had the toy when I was a kid. And it's just called Amonamon. I'm just going to send you... I'm going to send you a link... Oh yeah, he's that's the one I was thinking of. Yeah, so these guys, these guys actually show up in a unproduced um, Clone Wars episode that only made it to the animatic level called um, Crystal Crisis, where a giant Kyber crystal is being held on Utapau, and these guys are living on Utapau with the with the long foreheaded. Um, Powans, like they're the other species that live on Utapau in that cartoon. I don't know if that is Legends or not. Um, so the the comic book that they were basing this on was an uprising of Amanamon against the Empire, but the Amanamon were extremely violent in the comic book and were very tactical and just being completely brutal toward the Empire. And they wanted to sort of adapt that to like how a pacifist society would react to an occupation. Spoiler alert, the next week it does not go well for the Lerman. Um, and so they wanted to shift it to a different species, and then they, they decided to use the Lerman from Return of the Sith um, because they they had a concept for the species, that, but it never appeared before. They kept certain details from the comic, <clears throat> like the Amanamons transported from place to place by rolling like a somersault. So mm-hmm. they, gave the, they gave that ability to the Lerman, which I thought was silly but worked for them. What did you think about the design of the Lerman? 
They're fine. And that's, yeah, it is a little silly. Kind of makes me think of like the, the cutscenes of the alien where they have it crab walking. Oh, uh, sure. Yeah. It's so not as I guess, stupid as that one, but it's a little silly, but in star Wars, you got to expect a little silliness. Um, that's pretty much what I have for the cartoon. Um, do you have any questions or comments about the production of the cartoon? I do have one last thing I want to talk about, with which is Ayla's character. Um, no, so uh, go for it. Yeah, so the last thing is, this is this is the first cartoon appearance of Ayla Secura's character. But she did appear in the movies, which came out before this. And so she was in episode two and episode four three we get to see her shot dead on felucia in episode three she's one of the order 66 scenes Mm -hmm. the actor who played her is named amy allen and she was a visual effects production and technical support um person at industrial light and magic during the prequel time and she actually was i'm not sure why she got to do this and not other just technical like uh, effects people mm. but she is used in multiple scenes as background actor as a background actor in um, the prequel trilogy and she was in the Outlander Club and Attack of the Clones playing triplets so she played all three triplets and the triplets names were Maya Yemma and Mayan huh. and, wow. and they're and the the names of the triplets are anagrams of her name. Um, and then, and then she does, she was in episode one or two and three as these, as Alea Secura or as these background triplets in, in the um, Outlander bar. But when the DVD version of um, episode one came out, she was edited in as the uh, senator, as the senatorial aide to Ornfrey Ta, the fat Twilight senator, um, who in the original theatrical version, his aide was a human, and so she was edited in as a Twilight um, senator's aide. So she, I just think her path in Star Wars is really fascinating. So I just want to call her out for a second and yeah. say, even though she doesn't play um, Sakura in the cartoons. Sort of her story is a lot of fun. Um, yeah. From a, from a Star Wars point of view. Yeah, I'm guessing because everybody else looked like comic book guy, uh, and she's obviously fit. She's good looking, so yeah. Give yeah, her there a was. Role. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Just that she's she's fit. She's good looking. Um, like if any if if they're gonna give anybody a role, it's not gonna be some your stereotypical. Um, Star Wars nerdy type. Yeah, fat middle-aged, fat middle-aged comic book guy. Yeah. I would like to return your quote-unquote ultimate belt. I see. Do you have a receipt? Quote-unquote, sir? No, I do not have a receipt. I want it as a door prize at the Star Trek convention, although I find their choice of prize highly illogical, as the average Trekker has no use for a medium-sized belt. Oh, whoa, whoa, a fat, sarcastic Star Trek fan. You must be a devil with the ladies. Um... Yeah, so there, since this was her first appearance in the cartoon, a lot of care was made to make her look a lot like the character that um, is in Revenge of the Sith. Because this is supposed to lead into that movie. And so she gets a very similar outfit, she gets a very similar look. 
And it was funny because there was an interview with Filoni. I was watching about them developing the character of Ayla Secura for Clone Wars. And he said he wanted her to have an American accent. And George is like, oh, no, Twi'leks sound like French people. Mm-hmm. They're like, all right, that's fine. Never heard her talk on screen in the movie so they could get away with it. And so that's that's how she got her voice. Um, is there anything else you want to talk about for this episode? Uh, nope. Let me just scan real quick, make sure I hit all my notes. I know I had a lot. Um, yeah, I think that's all I want to talk about, too. We'll move on to the rating. Yeah. Oh, rating, right. <laughs> yeah, so now is the uh, the time when we uh, rate an episode. Uh, here at Yevcast, we rate episodes by a Star Wars character. So a uh, really great episode would get a original trilogy character, such as Han, Luke, Leia, uh, Darth Vader, Chewie, etc. A really bad episode would get... Somebody like, uh, man, let's, let's see, um, who's a really, uh, a, a worthless character, um, in one of, one of the movies, like, oh, uh, like the, like the first storm, like, the, the stormtrooper just immediately gets, like, shot, like, before, before they even, like, jump out of, like, um, like he's like the first one through the door and like the first one who just gets shot. It's just like, well, that sucks. <laughs> yeah. I like that. Like you mean talking on the Tantive on a new hope when they blow the door. Yeah. And then all those, um, all those guys in the blue shirts and the black vests are just shooting down the hall at everybody coming through the door. Mm-hmm. That scene doesn't make, we don't have to go into it, but that scene now confuses me based on the politics of the day. It's like that's your legitimate. Those are soldiers from your legitimate government, right? Yeah, it's like the it's like um, you being you being boarded by the Coast Guard. Um, like, why would you do? <laughs> why would you do that? So you shoot a bunch of Coast Guard guys coming onto your boat, and then like the and then like the admiral of the Coast Guard gets on, and he's like, like, what the fuck did you just do? And he's like, this is a diplomatic vessel. <laughs> yeah, and it's like. It's like ones like they've been they've been tracking them a, a sub from Mexico, and like oh we're we're different. It's like no, I know you've got drugs, <laughs> but um, yeah, our drug dog had a seizure when, <laughs> when we brought him on board. <laughs> yeah, he just got sent to rehab. <laughs> <laughs> All right, how do you rate the episode? This one, um, I liked it. It's not like. Um, my favorite, it's not like something that will go down as quintessential Star Wars that I have to watch over and over again. So I didn't hate it. So I will give it, I will give it a, uh, since we're on the Twi'leks, uh, a bit for tuna. So uh, Matt, what do you think? What is your character ranking for this episode? I'm going to give this episode a tiply. A tiply. Um, tip. Tipley is she is a character in Clone Wars. She's a female Jedi who has a sister named Tipley. Yes, she gets killed by one of the clones. Vibes or Vibe. with, with the it's malfunction. Like top. Tup. Tup. Yeah. Because yeah. he hit. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I think this episode is good. There's nothing to really dislike about it, um, and it's part of a set, right? So it's sort of cooler with the next. <laughs> there you go. And so I thought, like, Tipley and Tiplar 
are good. Um, and I might pick Tiplar next week. So it's good. It's a fun episode. It's mm-hmm. a fun episode. It's it's got a point. It's got a point. It's got it's it's veering Star Wars more into a little bit harder sci-fi with like a you see Timmy moment. You see Timmy, war is bad. Yeah. Right. And it sounds silly, but like Star Wars doesn't go there. Star Wars isn't Star Trek. Right. Where it's like, let's talk about racism. Right. And and have like a guy who's half black and half white fight a guy who's half white and half black <laughs> to show like how stupid racism is. Mm-hmm. This is a little bit more subtle, but more on the head than Star Wars usually gets to be. So yeah. I want to give it. I want to give it like a like it's an important it's it's an important episode of, even if it's silly, but it it makes it the next episode a lot happens. I'll put it that way. Yeah, and there's no um, there's no problematic uh, Scottish stereotypes. Not a single one compared to how normally um, uh, the like the different uh, different Star Wars races are kind of meant to be um uh a a a different like race or um not a or nationality like the twi'leks are all french and um like what wado is a very uh very uh offensive uh, jewish stereotype yeah, I mean, I was trying to explain this to someone earlier today when I was talking about this episode, and I was like, "Well, he like it was done so the like, Star Wars would normally subtitle an alien and just give them a gibberish language, right? Clicks and whistles and beeps." Um, but this was a kids' show, and you couldn't do that, right? Because kids are going to be watching it. Maybe they can and can't read subtitles, right? So mm-hmm. you had to differentiate them culturally, and so they all all the aliens got different accents that were still understandable. So I, I I don't fault them for what they did, and, and I don't think they made I don't they made this Lerman have Scottish accents. But you're right, they didn't give them any. They didn't like riff on Scottish culture at all. If anything, they sort of ignored it, and the interstitial music was all pan flute, which makes, which makes no sense. Yeah, which is fine. Like I, I would rather them just be like be like, no, it's random. Like like we don't have to explain why there's pan flute music all the time. We don't have to explain why these lemurs sound like Scott's people. So it's fine. Like it's sort of a cool, cool workaround. Yep. Cool. All right. So I'm going to roll a die. Oh shoot. That's right. I'm going to roll my die because I still do this to torture us. And where is my chance cube sound? We'll let the fate decide, huh? I just happen to have a chance cube here. Blue, it's the boy. Red, his mother. All right, so it's the end of our recordings of Clone Wars, which we almost forgot because we haven't recorded a Clone Wars episode in a long time, even though these are being released out of recording order. Um, so that make that statement might not make any sense to you. At the end of these recordings, I roll a d20, and if it roll, if it lands on a one, the next episode we review is an Ewoks episode, much yes. to Jamie's anger. Well, I mean, we've already like we recorded a ton of them a few years ago, but then time is so much time has passed that we just need to redo it. Yeah. Um, so if we if I roll a one, 
we're going to do that. But if I roll any other number, we will do the next episode, which I was trying to find it, is called um, Defenders of Peace, which is Season 1, Episode 14. And I record, I record the roll just to stay honest. Are you ready? Yep. All right, here it goes. It is a two. Oh. Yeah. On the die is actually not very close to the one, but numerically it's very yeah. close to the one. So next week we will, next time we will record our review of episode one or season one, episode 14, Defenders of Peace, which is the conclusion of the Lerman arc. All right. So thanks for listening and downloading. Uh, Be sure to tell a friend about us uh, who's definitely into Star Wars to listen to a a couple guys uh, talk about Star Wars and have an occasional uh, joke about uh, something inappropriate. And uh, if you thought we sucked, well, sorry, but um, why don't you go go ahead and tell somebody that you don't like about us because – Waste their time too. All right. And outro. Thank you for downloading and listening to this episode. We would also like to thank Jordan White for the use of his cover of Yub Nub as our intro and outro music. Please refer to the show notes for photos, clips, and links from this episode. Side effects from listening to Yubcast may include dizziness, dry mouth, a sense of confusion, and decreased sex drive. Serious side effects may include speaking in Ewok, speculating the origins of prequel characters, and wondering why two grown men discuss children's cartoons on the internet. For a complete list of side effects or to complain about the show, please visit us on Twitter at Yubcast or drop us an email at moochbaderproductions at gmail.com. Thanks again. We'll see you again next week with a new episode. Yubcast is not affiliated with Lucasfilm or the Walt Disney Company. Star Wars, its characters, and creations are the property of Lucasfilm and its parent company, the Walt Disney Company. Yubcast is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. Da 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 da